Welcome to everyone. This is the 10 year anniversary of the real truth about health. And we're so happy we have shared so many hours with you all over the planet. I want to congratulate Stephen Shore and his team for their diligent, relentless work to help spread truth in a world of deception and unfortunate circumstance. Today we're going to be speaking about something that is dear to my heart, the work that I've personally done for over 50 years, and that's self-healing. Way back in 1956, when Hippocrates founded the alternative health movement, the holistic health movement, and also what is called lifestyle medicine, because our founder recognized that was missing then and sadly now was self-responsibility. We've been doing that work now for nearly 70 years. Now here at our campus in West Palm Beach, originally in Boston. And now it's time to take it to the next level. We're on a mission, a worldwide mission to help people realize that they have the internal fortitude and the wisdom and the knowledge and the ability, and believe it or not, even the strength to make all problems disappear. But it's gonna require your commitment to you. It's a mission that all of us should join because today we are in a frail circumstance. Even the natural healthcare system is still dependent on dependencies. It's time that we create independence and freedom, real freedom, true freedom, the kind of freedom that every single person on the planet deserves the they're born. 
Now, we're going to speak about the things that help you liberate yourself and embrace a life of health, happiness, and healing. First is inspiration. I ask you the question now, do you really feel inspired with all that you do? And if the answer is no, as it is with the majority of people, why? Why are you living a life without your spirit soaring? Why are you living a mundane existence where you get up every day and stumble through the day until you go to bed at night? That's your responsibility to change. And it's only you that can make the difference. We have a system that has been created so that you need somebody else to do your thinking and your duties. Well, has that worked out for anyone? And the answer is obviously absolutely not. So it's time that you realize having an inspired heart and being inspired in your life because you're passionate about your choices. You know why you're here. You know what your purpose is. You know, every human being on this earth has a role. And that if we were just fulfilling that and very, very, very alive within us, everything would be wildly different instantaneously. So to heal yourself, to be self-healed, to be inspired by you, not by an external force, not by some group you've joined or some activity that you're involved with. You have to be inspired by you. And the only way that can possibly happen is to do things that not only you're proud of, but you actually are fulfilled with. These are the things that make you the person you're supposed to be, the human being that you're meant to be. And today we have so many subhumans on the planet. I think well over 90% of us living a subhuman existence. That's why we have the sickness and the disease and the disorder and the disharmony and the discourse that we have on the planet today. So we want change. Yes. Don't think about it and get emotional about it. Do something about it. Be an inspirational person by being inspired by yourself. The second is knowledge. Now, knowledge has been hijacked by education, and there's a big difference between knowledge and education. I know quite a few people who are highly educated with little to no knowledge. Knowledge is knowing. From the early days of humans who were writing down theological and philosophical ideologies, they were talking about the place of knowing. Once again, I ask you the question, are you in the place of knowing? knowing why you're involved with every single thing you're involved with? And if not, why are you involved with that? Somebody told you you have to, you believe you have to, the culture and the society demands that you are. If you're not in a place of knowing, you don't have the wisdom to live a life enriched by goodness and happiness. And this is where we have to go. We have to go back to the very basics, the simples, the foundations. And when we are in that place, everything becomes vividly clear to us. The sun comes up. It's like an August day at 12 noon. And everything is bright and clear and focused. 
And that's what you need to do. Your knowledge has to be a knowledge from the heart, not a knowledge from the head. The head is a great guide. The story I'd like to tell, it's like you're on a boat, a ship, and it's having air propel you across the ocean. Now you're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and the wind stops, and you hear a voice. Maybe it's from your heart. If you listen closely, most likely it is. And the voice says, if you believe in yourself, if you trust in yourself, if you're knowing, if you trust in knowing, Basically, take the oar that guides the ship, guides the boat, and throw it into the ocean. Now, that will be a very difficult choice for you, because you're actually taking the mind, the intellectual mind, and abandoning it. But you have to trust. And the depth of trust you have will depend upon whether or not, not only will you survive without the oar, but you'll thrive. You have to trust the currents, and the currents will take that boat, that ship, and gently guide it to land. Your destiny will be created for you without you ever having to put effort in. And effortless knowledge is wisdom. And wisdom is what we all aspire to, what we live for. And it's not to be a wise person, it's to be wise in knowing, knowing why you're here, who you are, and what your contribution is. These are the basic things. An inspired person who knows is a person who lives a life worth living. The next is growth, one of the most difficult things. When I began my work in 1970, I remember sitting down and being told by somebody I admired very much that the hardest job in the world is the job I've just taken, to teach people to change, to help people to change. They wisely said, as a man in their 60s at that point, that people don't want to change, they're comfortable in their misery. Now I question you. Are you comfortable in your misery? Do you constantly complain and talk about the difficulties of life and how stressful it is and how hard it is? And oh my God, I'm getting old and I'm getting weak and I'm getting sick. Is that who you are? Are you comfortable in pain? Are you comfortable in suffering? Are you comfortable in living a subhuman existence? So, growth will actually make you propel into an area that you never thought was possible because growth creates an enlarged imagination. And my God, when you have an enlarged imagination, there's nothing you can't achieve. In my life, I've worked with nearly 300,000 people. And what I've realized is the people who have serious illnesses and have brought about their recovery, it was through their own growth and imagination. If you have an imagination that's beyond the belief system that you have, you can break through the wall, the boundary, the border, and create an endless potential for yourself. We've seen this with other humans throughout history. 
you know the stories. You know the stories of the Wright brothers who were told by God knows how many hundreds of intellectuals read prolifically from the time they were children about all the people who died trying to fly like birds. But these two high school graduates that were bicycle mechanics said, well, we have a larger imagination than those who had obviously less ability to grow. And that's why they died. Well, it's the same exact story when you face a disorder, a disease, or premature aging. It's your imagination that's going to save you. So let's review the essentials that I've learned and this institute has learned since 1956, give you a life worth living. It's a mission you should be on that the entire human race should be on. And we would then leave behind the insanity we call life today. You have to inspire who? You. You have to have knowledge how? Knowing you. You have to grow how? Changing you and embracing a larger potential than you ever dreamed possible. Are you up to it? And if so, we're going to take you on this mission. Our mission is quite simple. Positive change is not a switch. It's a process. I know in our Western culture and the great Madison Avenue advertisers and Hollywood filmmakers, everything's instantaneous. This is how the pharmaceutical industries have gotten away with what they have for nearly a century now. They give you a pill and temporarily take away the pain and everyone can go back to their miserable existence. Why? Because then you don't have to deal with it. It doesn't act like a switch, a light. It's a process. So as long as you're willing to continue to move on, a continuum of ability and your growth patterns, you're going to do very well with this. The self-healing mission is to inspire, educate, and guide people worldwide to reclaim optimum health and well-being. We do this not because of philosophy. We do it because of hardcore science, modern hardcore science, and the, the clinical research we've done here with hundreds of thousands over the decades. Through scientifically proven protocols, spearheaded lectures, and decades of experience, the self-healing mission exposes a link between diet, lifestyle, longevity, and even your body weight. The real story is change your mind and change your life. That's why everyone who comes here receives psychotherapy. It's the key into inspiration, knowledge, and growth. A new global study has been really concerning to me. This is just about two years old now, this study, where they went around the globe, looked at 30 countries, and 45% of the people in those countries are unhappy in their bodies. But here in the United States and countries like Spain and Saudi Arabia and Peru, Singapore, over 50% of us are unhappy in our bodies. Now let me slow down and explain why this is so concerning to me and I hope any thinking person. Your vehicle to navigate a life is a vehicle that you must be comfortable in. If you're not comfortable in this vehicle, 
If you're abusive to this vehicle, do you expect it to function in the way and the manner that it should? Well, obviously not. So half the population and most of the developed world, and notice the countries that literally have the highest level of people unhappy in their anatomy are countries that are often economically endowed. So we have a lot, but we seemingly don't have what we need, us. We don't have ourselves. Now, we've got to change this. And there's so many people out there yelling and screaming and telling you there's ways to heal yourself and to lose weight and to be comfortable, but nobody really looks at the data and the facts. The old ritual and rhetoric we can talk about. Sure, you exercise. Sure, you eat healthy food, but there's more to it than that. Here's what I didn't know when I was obese at one point, that there was little to no nutrition in any of the food that I ate. As a matter of fact, the food that I was being given as a child, I'm seriously, seriously questioning if there was any, any, even a drop of nutrition in it. It was so highly processed. Now, when we look at crops from all over the globe, and the first serious evidence of this was way back in 1987, they realized within a one century period, we eliminated 75 to 85% of the nutrients in the soil. Now, think clearly. We come from the soil. Our bodies, our anatomies are built from the nutrients in the soil. When you were just a youngster, you learned about the periodic table, the elemental table. And depending upon when you read it, it's between 115 and 120 elements that make up the universe as we know it. Everything you see, touch, feel, taste, look around you now, look at your body, is made of those 115 to 120 elements. This is what we're talking about. These elements are in healthy soil, and they remain in healthy soil from composting, where plants literally break back down again into the soil and re-engage the nutrient, the cycle of life, as we call it. Now, way back in 1987, they realized the global catastrophe had already started, that 90 essential elements were not found in most of the topsoil they tested in 97 different countries. Now, let me, once again, essential means you need it. Your anatomy, your body, and I would venture into your psyche, your mind cannot function without these things, these elements, 1987. Now, I haven't read a recent study on this. There will be some coming soon, I'm sure. But let's be very conservative and say, out of the 115, 120, most likely today, all these decades later, we're actually probably lacking about 100 elements. So we're walking around starving. We're walking around weakened. Our cells, including the immune system cells, are dysfunctional. And we just cannot figure out why we're sick. But they have the great answers, the power to be. Send more money. We'll do more research in conventional intellectual thinking so that we come up with a remedy that doesn't really work. And that's what the system is today. How about looking at the basics? 
it's a little difficult for people who overthink to see simple. And probably some of you fit into that category. Simple is the best. If you look at the most fundamental things that make you who you are, that's where we should start our work. Not on some grandiose ideology or philosophy somebody else came up with, but you, inspired, knowing, and growing. Inspired, knowing, and growing. So why we have so much obesity and people unhappy in their body and people malnourished, if you're a fast metabolizer, you may be eating like a horse and be still very thin because your metabolic function is not working. And with that said, we have all of these people, 50% or so of the population of the world not happy in their vehicle and being abusive to their vehicle. So this brings about a state of discomfort that literally can propel you into disorder and even disease. Study done for a long time. This went from 1950 to 1999, nearly a half a century. Looked all over at 43 garden crops, from asparagus to broccoli, tomatoes, turnips, etc., and found out that back then, that particularly vitamin C was lacking. Now, how important is that? Well, back about 70 years ago now, the most important scientist on why we age stated in 1954 that free radicals are ultimately what age us and give us disease. What can prevent free radicals, meaning aging and disease, is food-based vitamin C. That's lacking in most of our foods, including, by the way, organic foods. A Stanford study was conducted and published about a decade ago, and all of my friends and colleagues were angry at me because I concurred with them. They looked at commercially grown organic food, you know, large millions of acres of organic plants growing, and they analyzed the nutrient levels there compared to commercially grown non-organic foods. And guess what? They were about the same level of nutrition. Now, I'll always tell you, and the only thing we serve here is organic food, but the fact is, if it's not grown on rich soil with all of those elements that seemingly have been missing and missing for decades now, half a century, maybe a century, you're not going to get the vitamin C. You're not going to get the iron, the riboflavin, the potassium, the calcium. And yes, calcium is good for your bones, but how about it preventing colon cancer? So these nutrients we knew way back in 1905 when the very first nutrient was discovered, which was a B vitamin, that these were the elements that could prevent and reverse disease. For instance, vitamin C, which they didn't know was vitamin C way back 300 years ago, was taken from citrus and wiped out the most horrific disease of the day called scurvy. B vitamins wiped out in the early part of the 20th century, berry berry. It was so catastrophic, it was about the same level we think of cancer today. And what we're saying to all of you worldwide, yes, plants are wonderful, but you know they cannot be plants without nutrients in it. They've got to be grown in good soil. The gentleman who did the forward to this book, 
the self-healing diet. Zach Bush, Dr. Bush, is doing some incredible work, and I encourage you to follow him and see what he's doing. He left medicine to help farmers because he realized if we don't heal the soil, we can't heal the human being. How much or how little sleep do you have? Not even taken into account when it comes to body. And when I would be out lecturing back in the 1970s or 1980s, and I was in a group of 500, and I asked, how many of you have a hard time sleeping? Maybe a handful of mature women after menopause would raise their hand. Now, right here on this campus, and as I travel the globe to speak, half or 60% of everyone says they have a hard time sleeping. We are manic. We are panicked. Unfulfilled lives. Not having the adequate nutrients and fuel to calm our nervous system, to strengthen our immunity. All of that plays havoc, and we can't sleep. We can't go into a deep RAM sleep. And by doing that, this has so much to do with sleep disruption and eating. When I was a young man, before I began my journey back to self-realization, I actually would eat as I was in bed at night, eat large meals just before going to bed, and sometimes cakes and desserts in bed. Does it sound familiar to any of you? Why? Because we're starving. So put this back together. Lack of nutrients in the food we're consuming, even if they're plant-based food, if they're not rich organic foods, the kind we grow here on this campus, sprouts, which we have total control over, that are 10 to 40 times, once again, 10 to 40 times more nutritious than the best organic vegetables. These are things for very little cost, very big ease, you can put into your diet and start to ward this off. So now you're starving, you're not going into deep RAM sleep, you're waking up, you're constantly breaking your sleep patterns, and what does this do? It gets cortisol levels and other hormones out of balance, and we have a body that now perceives that we need to have extra weight on it. It's the body from our primal ancestors. If they didn't sleep, they knew something was wrong. That was a message from their brain that said, be cautious. Don't sleep deep. Listen closely. Well, the same thing's happening to us right now in the 21st century. You're being cautious and not getting the kind of rest required to have a body that you're happy in, a body that you're pleased with, what I call a user-friendly body. Hormones influence your weight. My God, do they. Chronic stress produces a hormone cortisol. Now, this pr prompts your body to store abnormal fat. Now, why? Because hundreds and thousands of years ago, they realized that what they needed is some more weight on their body to run fast if somebody was chasing them or some animal was chasing them. That hasn't gone away. Remember, the evolutionary process of the human anatomy, the great part of it was in primal times. The position we seem to be in today in modern times where we have little to no stress comparative to what our great ancestors had, these triggers still put weight on our body. And why that weight was required is that fat 
turns into energy to feed the cell. They also, at that point, ate very little. That's why you see lots of dynamic and great research today on intermittent fasting. They would often go for a day, two, three days without eating, then eat, and maybe a day or two later eat. So your bodies were once again anatomically, through evolution, built in eating very little of high nutritious plant-based food. And by the way, sleeping and resting deeply most of the time, unless you were in a threatening position. And at that point, you, your body was smart enough to say, put weight on in case we have to jump up in the middle of the night and run. Insulin resistance. We hear a lot about this. It's, this is being the hormone that tells your body cells to form blood sugar. Now, can you imagine this? Results in weight gain. Now, I remember as a kid, uh, I was sort of an oddball because I was overweight and almost nobody else was overweight. It was, it was a, a, quite an abnormality to see a youngster who was overweight at that point. Now it's quite an abnormality throughout the developed world to see a child who's not overweight. Matter of fact, the statistics are appalling. Over 70% of our children in North America are overweight, obese, or morbidly obese. I don't know what the statistics would have been in the 1940s or 1950s, but I can tell you, if it was more than 5%, I'd be surprised. So what happens is this triggers insulin resistance when we're not having hormone balance in our body. So even if you're eating what you perceive as a fairly good diet, and even exercising, why many of you have a difficult time balancing your weight, either gaining weight or losing weight, is because of this insulin resistant trigger that you're being uh, the culprit that puts it on and off by the way you live, the way you think. And hormones are mostly adjusted by thought patterns, not from food, although food has a place nowhere near as significant or as important as the way you see life the way you perceive life, and the way you proceed in life. Your cell phone, nobody even talks about this. We've recently become familiar with an organization that really studies cell phone use and the perils of it. Uh, they are not saying we're going to have to abandon cell phones. We just have to make them safer, healthier, and have you have a healthy relationship with your cell phone. But seemingly, that's not the case. 67% of the public that uses cell phones globally has an addictive relationship to the cell phone. Now, let me repeat what I just said to you. Billions of people on the planet Earth today use cell phones. So now we're talking about hundreds of millions and hundreds of billion, God knows how many people. But 67% of the people who have cell phones are addicted to it. Now, what does that mean? That you can't put it down. You can't not look at a text. You can't not look at the bing you saw, what's the latest news is. You know, you entertain yourself with a little computer that you carry around in your hand that, needless to say, puts radiation into your body, into your brain. Look at the brilliant work of another speaker who's come to the real truth about health, Dr. Deborah Davis, an epidemiologist, and the work that she's doing about cell phone creating cancers, neurological problems, and the list goes on. So we've got to have a much more balanced relationship with cell phones. We're like kids who just found a toy and we can't put it down. Now there's a trend, thank goodness, in restaurants where they have baskets at the front. You can't come into the restaurant with cell phone. 
This needs to be the beginning of a pattern that everyone is employing throughout their life. Same should happen in your life. In the past, when you came home from work, you had family time, rest time, private time. Why don't you just drop it at the front door? Unless there's an emergency that you're awaiting, you don't need to constantly be on the cell phone. And if what you are doing is entertaining yourself with the computers in your hand, get a life. <laughs> Find other ways to entertain yourself. Uh, you know, you have legs, you have a body, there's outdoors. There's so many things you can do in nature, in your life. Be with people. Communicate with people. What you have to understand is that one of the factors in longevity today is community. And having a friend in the cell phone is not community. Toxic waste all over. They took the umbilical cords of babies I think it was in something like 82 countries around the world uh, in the hospitals. And they saw that every one of these mothers in that womb was feeding toxins, plastics, heavy metals, pharmaceutical drugs, inadvertently through their lifestyle, through living on a polluted planet into the little embryo that became that little girl and little boy. These synthetic chemical toxins found in food clothing all over the place. These completely confuse your hormones. As a matter of fact, as sophisticated and it's as brilliant as the human body is, the more I study it, the more in awe I am of it. See, the other day I was reading something I couldn't even imagine uh, a week before uh, we were gonna discover about how you function. But what we do know is that the body sees all man-made chemicals as estrogens. So needless to say, this is why cancers in great part, not in total, are growing and going through the ceiling because they're estrogenically triggered. Breast cancer is about 93% estrogenic, prostate cancer over 90% estrogenic, but even liver cancer, brain cancer, all of those literally have an estrogen tie or connection to it. We have to understand that estrogens also change your psyche and they can feminize boys and masculate girls. And so when we are getting these in our lifestyle, it is unquestionably one of the reasons there's such confusion today reigning throughout the Western world. And what we have to also understand is that when you look at the way we eat, the kind of things we call food that are not food, like animal flesh, be it fish, be it chicken or turkey, be it pork, be it steer, steak, be it wild game, be it eggs. All of these things are bioaccumulated toxins. So the steer, as an example, to make one point, is out eating pound after pound after pound of polluted grass, and unfortunately, in factory farming, even so-called, quote, organic factory farming, they're feeding grains to these animals. They're eating pound after pound, kilo after kilo, every day that. And those toxic grasses, those toxic grains, are 
putting into the muscle of that animal massive amounts of pesticides, fungicides, herbicides. So that's why when you eat an animal, it is much more aggrievous in giving you diseases like cancer. We have to understand, mothers pass these things down to you, and the younger you are, meaning now, it's more toxic than ever. And I don't see anyone talking about resolution than other than environmental groups and people we have here on The Real Truth About Health. Uh, no government seems to have the stomach to really do what it takes to save their citizens, no less the future of the human race. Artificial ingredients. One of the most disturbing things I discovered whenever I think things are really wacky, I'm always told, no, there's even wackier things going on. And what happened is Dr. David Kessler, the former head of the Food and Drug Administration, and I had a conversation a number of years ago where he revealed to me that he found that all major food companies, national and international companies, hire chemists that their entire role is to create synthetic opiates. I'll say it again, synthetic opiates, legalized opiates, to put into foods so that you and your loved ones get permanently addicted to that product. Not bad enough, sugar is actually more addictive, this is a factual statement, than heroin and cocaine. So those of you out there saying, well, I only eat agave syrup two pounds a day, forgive yourself, it's not that you're weak, you're addicted to it. Now on top of the sugar, which is massively addictive, that's why they've always put that in foods. They started that back at the beginning of the 20th century. Now they're adding synthetic opiates to get you double addicted to it. You may wanna look into this. This is called hyperpalatability. So if you can't stop eating the potato chip, it's most likely because it has these hyperpalatability opiate synthetic chemicals put into it. When I asked Kessler, isn't this illegal? He said, no, these are not on the chart of illicit medicines. And if they are ever tagged, if somebody comes and questions it, they have the second one in that will take five to 10 years to get off the market anyway. Be very cautious, people. Your best friend is your heart and the mind in your heart that speaks to you. And yes, you need to trust by starting to trust yourself and then bringing into you fear of life, others that you can trust. But don't think somebody's watching out for your well-being and health and longevity. That's not the plan, I can assure you. Hidden triggers. One of the things I never thought about before I sat down and wrote uh, this book on body imagery, body weight, all of these things we're discussing today, is how sounds and fragrances literally trigger us to eat. Now, one of the most interesting conversations I had as a little 10-year-old boy, there was a, a big boy down the street, as we called him, he was 16 or 17. He was the co-manager at the local movie theater. Now, movie theaters were a big deal. At 35 cents, I would go in on a Saturday, and it was a one time mom and dad could deposit all of the kids in a safe environment. We'd watch movies you know, for three, four hours. And whenever I'd walk into that, I remember smelling popcorn like I've never smelled popcorn before. It was permeating the entire atmosphere. It was almost, you could, in, the, in the air, you could feel the grease 
the butter or the synthetic butter from the popcorn. And at 10, I was talking to this big boy down the street, 16, 17 year old kid. And he said to me, oh, we do that. We actually blow the fragrance of the popcorn in so we sell more popcorn. And then I found shortly after that, when I was in my late teens and early 20s, that they were doing subliminal imagery in films and in commercials where they show one shot every 20 or one shot every 10 and one shot every five to give you an image that leads you. So this triggering is understood by marketers and food manufacturers, but you have gotten the triggers yourself from things you literally did that you became addicted to. Now, isn't this interesting? When I was a kid, I was addicted to these little chocolate peanut butter cups. I just couldn't stop eating them. As a matter of fact, we would go and down to the New Jersey shore and they had wheels where you spin the wheel, you put back then five cents, it's probably $2 now. And when your number came up, you won something. And the only place I wanted to go, the only little business I wanted to go to was the one that had boxes of candies. And when I would win that, my grandparents thought it was so cute that they, every once in a while, they'd probably spend more money than they would if they bought the boxes. So I would get excited and I'd win a box of Reese's Buttercup and I would eat all of those candies in one day. And nobody stopped me. They thought it was a great thing to see me do this. Little did I know I was being triggered. And for many, many years, when I would hear people open up those candy wrappings, it would trigger me. Now, thank God I had the wherewithal by then not to do it. But when I first changed my lifestyle, believe me, it was very easy to slip back, as many of you are finding now. The triggers, the fragrances, the sounds, the memories, all of these things seduce us in. And then we're given the addictive substances of sugar and synthetic opiates to keep us in. Harvard Medical School research examined data from 120,000 women and men. Now think of this, over a 20-year period. That's a big study. Every four years, they looked at these people and looked at an average. Every four years, over a 20-year period, people gained 3.3 pounds. Now, obviously, some eight and some one or two, but the truth of the matter is, why was everyone gaining weight? And when they looked at it, what we just talked about, potato chips, potatoes, sugar-sweetened beverages, and processed meats. As the World Health Organization told you a few years ago, it was really cute the way they placed it out so they didn't offend the meat industry. They said, if you eat two pieces of bacon a week, you have a 15 to 20% higher incidence of colorectal cancer. Now, whoever eats two pieces a week, think about this. And these are the things that are putting weight on the body. And one of the biggest costs in all of the developed world today is obesity. This is costing trillions of dollars. And we sit and yell about budgeting. Why doesn't anyone address these issues? Why doesn't anyone stop these corrupt, quote, food manufacturers? I, they're not food. Stuff manufacturers, we should go. Why doesn't somebody stop? The only time I saw it is Mayor Bloomberg, when he was mayor in New York City, he actually put a major tax on these astronomically large sodas. It used to take two people to carry the soda out. And he said, well, if you want to take those, we're going to charge you 
shocking high amounts of money for it. Everyone yelled, oh, that's not freedom. Yes, it is, because he was wise enough to understand economics. And he looked at all the uninsured people alone in New York City that was costing millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars because they had heart attacks, strokes, cancers, and diabetes. And uninsured people, basically, who's paying for them? You. You're paying for them. So it's about time we start to speak straight to people. And by the way, stop these notorious producers of death and dying products. And that's exactly what they are. Most popular diet programs have been found to lack nutrients. Now we go right back again and talk about here they are purporting to be healthy diets to make your body something you want to be in, strong and muscular and, and the right weight. Uh, and they get everyone worked up and they realize the public has a very short attention span. And so it doesn't really have to work. So every five years, they roll out the latest, greatest philosophy of which when we did a deep dive into it, I always do deep dives when I'm writing and I'm speaking. So I don't hesitate giving you data and facts that are supported by science. They found that almost every single one of the most popular diets in the world lack nutrients. Now, again, you have this trigger in the brain. It's amazing when you think about this. It's a hormone that actually knows if you're satiated, if you're fed, if you're nourished. And so when I was really, really big, I ate from the minute I got up to the minute I went to bed. And as I pointed out, sometimes I would bring the cake or the pie or the ice cream into the bed with me. Why? Because that little hormone in my brain was screaming, you're starving, you're starving. And I didn't hear that. All I heard is that I'm hungry. I was feeling hungry because if I'm not nourished. So here again, I'll repeat. The most popular weight loss diets, the diets that they spend millions in promoting, when we looked at them and analyzed them, they're lacking vital nutrients that do not shut off the voice in the brain, but actually turn it on and say, keep eating. Now, how can you justify that? It's an impossible thing to. A raw food diet is demonstrated in scientific studies, a consistent Always, always, always ability to shed more pounds and keep those pounds off in long term than other diets that have been studied. Inversely, what's really interesting to me is we have thin people come here, and often I have conversations several times a year. Well, when I'm eating healthy food, I lose weight. What's amazing is on average during the program here, a very thin person gains between three and a half and four and a half pounds. Women, a little more than the men. And this is really what we've seen, I've seen uh, over the 53 years that I've done this. And so when you nourish the body, again, the body starts to get the right message and says, oh, this woman, this man is finally interested in me. They're finally giving me what I've been screaming for for decades. And this is why a raw diet, which isn't processed, isn't cooked, isn't chemicalized, isn't preserved, is completely completely organic, basically has all those nutrients in it. Is anyone out there silly enough to think when you cook something, it still has all the elements before you cooked it? 
That's fundamentally silly to even consider. You even have other people telling you that you have to cook food to get nutrients out of it. Well, all I know is basic science tells me when I cook something, I kill it, that there's little to nothing left in it. And this institute represents this fact better than any scientific organization in the history of science. We've been taking very, very, very ill people and very, very smart people because people come here before they're sick. They don't want to age. They don't want to suffer. They don't want to go down the path that everyone else, the ducklings are going down because they're going along with the program. And we literally watch what happens clinically with blood profiles, with our medical team, clinically over the period of time they're here with us. And what we see across the board is improvements in all of the blood profile nutrient loads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this results, I've seen in thousands of cases, of people bringing about their own recovery. Because you're a self-healer. Nobody heals you. This is why we've got to get rid of self-care and make the step up to self-healing. Because self-care still means come to me, pay me, I heal you. No. The new mantra is, I come to me, I find me, I heal me. Much nicer. Now, you may need a little help along the way, but you're the one that ultimately does it. Always have, always will, and any other story is abstract. How your diet and gut works together. Uh, last year on The Real Truth, I presented the latest data on the microbiome, and you have three families within the microbiome, and the science is in now, the data is in. The natural food for them is raw plant-based foods, greens being the most because of the high cellulose. And when we look at what happens when you feed the body raw, green, organic, plant-based foods, they actually create more healthy bacteria in the intestinal flora. Now, why is this important? Your entire existence, life, reality depends upon it. I'll say it again. Your life, your existence, your reality, the way you think depends upon it. Because we're very clear now in mainstream science, as we've been preaching forever, that it's your bacteria, healthy bacteria in your intestinal tract that propels healthy immune system cells, the army that protects you from disease and premature aging, and neuron brain cells that protect you from psychological concerns and disorder. 90% of that happens because of healthy gut flora. Now think about that. What is the food once again? This is unquestionable, by the way. Undebatable is raw plant-based food. Because once you basically cook the food, it is a soup of lifeless cellulose that doesn't have the ability to have the enzymes, the phytochemicals, and the nutrient loads, micronutrient loads in it to actually grow and develop more and more and more and more and greater and stronger healthy flora, bacteria. So these findings are so important. Your gut health will determine your body's well-being, your body health. Your diet is so crucial for your psyche, so crucial. Now, we know this. I recall as a, as a boy 
we would often have parties. You know, we'd overeat and eat cake and hot dogs and ice cream and God knows all of this soda. And I'd always feel bad the next day. You'd have fun at the time the event was occurring. Your family was there, your friends were there. Maybe it was a holiday, maybe it was a picnic, but I knew I'd pay for it. Even as a, a child, I knew I'd pay for it. I'd feel sick, weak, almost like you have a hangover because you do have a hangover. It's a toxic overload hangover from stuff they tell you is food that has nothing to do with food, doesn't satiate your body, and by the way, bombs the gut and destroys the healthy bacteria that creates a balanced brain and a balanced immune system. So serotonin is what that's about in your brain. And my God, is this important. Now, if you go today to school, I talked to a young guy uh, who's at the same medical school my son is at, uh, in the top school in Europe, Kalinska, who's in a psychiatric uh, education. And I said, have they told you anything about serotonin? He said, oh, yes, it, it's manufactured in the brain. And I didn't say anything to him. I just backed up because, you know, I don't want to challenge this young man who's otherwise getting a great education, I see, seem to think. Uh, but how could this be? How could it be that the entire world of science and anatomy and biology and biochemistry today clearly understands that 90% of the serotonin, the happy juice, as we call it, comes from the gut. And here at the top school in Europe, why that's a great school is every one of the teachers are practicing doctors. They're not academics who have been sitting around talking about philosophy for decades. These are people out doing surgery and working in their specialty and then coming into the students and teaching them. Students go in and practice in this setting. How could this school, of all schools I can think about, still be teaching antiquated information? This is why the so-called healthcare system today globally is in peril. This is why the healthcare system today in the United States and most of the developed countries is a formidable killer. One of the top three killers now is modern medicine. High fiber plant-based diet with plenty of fruits, vegetables, whole grain, and legumes. Now, when we talk about whole grains and legumes, uh, needless to say, we want you to germinate them. Now you unlock the goodness, allow them to digest dynamically better and more than they would if you just ate them uh, without sprouting them. And you liberate and on average create about eight times more nutrients by spending two to five minutes throwing the grain into water, next morning getting up, pour it out, rinse it. That afternoon, you basically can take the sprouted grain, eight times more nutrients. In that case, a grain is probably 20 to 30 times more digestible, or a legume of bean, the same thing. Now, certain helpful microbes break down fibers in the short-chain fatty acid, which have been shown to stimulate immune cell activity. Now, how about that business? So now you have a whole group of people out there telling you how bad oil is and oh my God, oil's the worst thing in the world. And we have this current evidence. This is Harvard School of Public Health, by the way. This is not the backwoods school of public ignorance, Harvard School of Public Health. As they saying, you wanna get your immune system stimulated. Now, why do you want that? To fight the virus, to fight the bacteria, to fight the mold, the yeast, the fungus. 
the air pollution, unfortunately, the water pollution. You want to stimulate the immune system. You do it by taking these food-based and much, 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 much better sprouted food-based foods, grains, beans, etc., and literally you activate immune cells. This is one of the things we've seen here without knowing this until recently. It's a very recent study. We've been seeing people come back to life here for all of these years. And now the scientific community is letting us know why this is so effective. Superior foods to help end cravings. So how do you get rid of these cravings? So let's give you some good hard science. So we talked just about sprouts have been widely investigated in their relationship to human health, have been established in their roles of reducing risk related to chronic conditions, obesity, diabetes, et cetera. Oxidative stress, which is you know, a big killer of people today. We know these things because we have a recent study that comes out and basically says to us that out of all the different plant-based foods, nothing comes close to a sprout's ability to take care of these problems and ward off and even help to reverse disease. Now, this is great because humans didn't connive to do this. The universe connived to do this, and they did a pretty darn good job because we've been listening to the universe and employing that. And we watch it work in case after case after case after case. On the third day, when guests come in here, always 52 weeks a year, Basically, they're saying to Anna Marie and I and the rest of the medical team, how come they're not hungry? Because for the first time in their life, they're getting all of the nutrients they require. This Hippocrates lifestyle is the highest protein, digestible, usable protein diet in the world. So it regulates blood sugar. It takes away that feeling, I'm hungry. That little trigger, the hormone in the brain says, wow. She has fed me. He has fed me. So move into this. This may be new to you as it was to me. When I began this journey, I didn't know what a sprout was. The only thing I knew as an Irish person is they had something called Brussels sprouts. When I tried to soak them and sprout them, it didn't work out the way it should. It's nuts, seeds, grains, and beans. The greatest activator to help your body fight aging and disease, even in the conquest of reversing disease. Spinach, look at this study. It was done at Lund University. That's like the Yale University of Sweden. They found different elements within spinach. Now, ironically, moms throughout history seemingly have told us, eat spinach. Even Popeye, back more than 100 years ago, the man that created Popeye had to meet spinach. And remember, Popeye's muscles would get big and he'd have energy. Because uh, now we know things we didn't know back then. They must have been instinctually wise about this. But today we know, for instance, once you eat spinach, your hunger goes away by 21%. You feel more satiated, filled, that means, by 14%. You have snacks less and sweets less by 36%. That's more than a third less snacks are required. Now, these are very subtle but powerful studies that say, look, at eat this spinach. And then they observed the people. And this is not like they guessed this. They looked at hundreds and hundreds of people over a period of time. And this was published just a few years ago. 
And we know that spinach actually takes away hunger. And also at the other side of it gives you massive amounts of nutrients. Capsaicin, which are red peppers, taken from red peppers, as well as what they take, the gallet, from green tea. Now, you can take green tea. Green tea is wonderful. But I'm going to give you a little advice on green tea. Get organic, water decaffeinated green tea. Organic, water decaffeinated green tea. Because most of the green teas, like most teas or coffee, have a Parkinson-related, creating Parkinson's decaffeination chemical in it. So you want to avoid that at all costs. And then you don't take it and boil it to death. You take it and put it in pure water, a distilled level water, in a nice glass, and put it in your window for 24 hours. If you then prefer it to be warm when you consume it, you don't have to cook it and get rid of all these wonderful elements that we find in it that take away cravings. You literally just heat it to about 110, 115, or about 42 degrees Celsius. And if you do that, the volunteers in this particular study, they had weight loss, they weren't as hungry, their heart rates improved, uh, they did test after test. Their entire body improved because they took these living capsaicins from red peppers and these incredible gallet three elements from green tea. Cinnamon, one of my favorites. Uh, one of the great stories is uh, a book among the 31 that I've authored with Maria uh, that we wrote years ago was The Seven Ways to Lifelong Sexual Vitality. And in that book, uh, we had a small section on food where we talked about the foods that activate for females and males the most sexual hormonal action. And it was cinnamon was one of those. And another was pumpkin. So those of you that like pumpkin pie, guess what? That's why it activates uh, your sex hormones in your body. So these have wonderful like acetate cinnamons in it that are amazing. They have cinnamon that spike, neutralize and spike blood sugar levels after ingestion of food are eradicated or eliminated. So story after story that you heard about this, and then the, of course, the pharmaceutical industries try to squash it and say, oh, there's no proof. There's massive proof on this. And we find a lot of this data offshore because here in the United States, it's so um, manipulated at this point. Uh, you have to get legitimate science often from other countries where the powers that be are not so powerful, let's put it that way. So this reduces temptations for even eating sugar, cinnamon does. And who doesn't like cinnamon? My gosh, it's so good. Make sure it's a raw, organic variety of cinnamon. Right here on Hippocrates' 60 acres, uh, our jungle area, we actually have a cinnamon tree. And where cinnamon is taken from is the bark of the tree. It comes off the side of the bark of the tree. Importance of phytochemicals. These are the magic elements that we only discovered about 50, 60 years ago in science to be the healing agents that were encoded into all edible plants over millions, hundreds of millions of years of evolution of this planet Earth. Isn't that amazing? 
So here we have a species that's, we've only been around in this form as Homo sapiens for maybe about 11,000 years. And these plants, the origins go back hundreds of millions of years, had medicines in it that were going to heal and protect us from diseases that seemingly didn't exist before humans were here. Heart disease, diabetes, cancers, multiple sclerosis, even weight loss, weight gain. So these phytochemicals are amazing. Until we discovered this, not we, but the scientific community discovered it and we read about it, we didn't really comprehend why so many people brought about their own healing here at Hippocrates. Once we read that, it was an aha moment. The brilliant, brilliant work that's being done on this now. Uh, recent studies came out showing that this phytochemical has the power well beyond anything that we've ever employed in modern medicine or traditional medicine to prevent and reverse disorders and disease. Mindfulness. Now, we used to talk about this way back in the 60s, and it was foo-foo and wild and Eastern, and nobody went with it. Now, there's serious studies done this. So here in our comprehensive cancer program, and in every one of our programs, we focus in on visualization and mindfulness because this activates your body's well-being as much as what you eat, how you exercise, and how you relate in your work and private life with others. Quite remarkable stuff. This particular study was actually a meta-study where they took 20 well-done, well-fashioned studies way back in 2016 and looked at the common factors that they found from mindfulness, meditation, mindfulness prayer, mindfulness contemplation, whatever your flavor is, it's perfectly fine. But what it really boils down to is you letting the noise go away and you focusing on what matters, going back to the original statements I made, inspiration. You need to listen to what's here, that voice of reason, that voice of sanity, and that voice of consciousness in your heart. When you do that, these 20 studies showed that your circulation and stimulation throughout your entire body of inflammatory proteins go down. So inflammation goes down. How, after how long? This is five minutes, people. We're not thinking about doing this for five years straight for two hours a day. Five minutes, we now have evidence to show inflammation reduced. Cellular transcription, that means explaining to the cell what's going on factors and gene expression. So it puts good genes on so that the disorder is not there and shuts bad genes off. Similar work was done on diet uh, years ago when they put animal foods in within less than a second, the bad gene was turned on for cancer. They took it away from the equation within a second. The good gene was turned on to fight the cancer. Now think about that. Now, beyond eating correctly and eating plant-based and eating organic and hopefully raw in great part, if not in total, now we're actually doing with our minds too. This is why a pillar of what we've been doing here since 1956 is mindfulness. It's as important as your food. Your immune cell count. Some of these studies were mind-boggling. Within a short time, more than five minutes, they found that some people increased the number of immune system cells up to 40%. Think about that. 
you're actually manifesting things that weren't there to, to, at the beginning. They didn't exist at the beginning. You're actually bringing them out. And they're coming out of a stem cell, which is bone marrow and organ systems of the body, just by the fact you relax. And why? Because everything I've said to you today comes to this, this moment we're speaking about, that the body is at rest. It's trusting. It's feeling whole. It's feeling happy. It's feeling center. You're breathing. You're going back to that, the origins of who you are, your breath. And when you do that, the trust factor lets everything work the way it should. It doesn't make things happen that shouldn't be happening. It actually allows things to happen that you've been preventing from happening. Antibody response. Now, antibodies, as you know, are really, really important parts of the immune function of the body, the innate and the adaptive immune system. The innate immune system, by the way, are the real soldiers. They're the guys who come out when the virus you're breathing in or the bacteria or mold, whatever it may be you're breathing in, comes in. They beat it up, beat it up, beat it up. For the first 96 hours, that's who beats it up. Now, if some slip by, you have the adaptive immune system. The adaptive immune system is led by the great generals, the T cells and the B cells. And they literally beat the heck out of them and say, hey, if the soldiers didn't get you, we're going to get you. But now we're saying that you actually increase the strength of the overall immune system, innate and adaptive immune system, by the mere fact that you're putting the noise out, you're focusing, you're listening, you're relaxing. You are connected to all other life here on this earth and into the multiple universes. You are a live wire that you've intentionally unplugged. It's time to plug yourself back in and become inspired by not only your own inner self, your inner strength, but by the connectivity to all else at all times. It's great to be alive and live at a human level. This is not extraordinary. This is just ordinary we're talking about. Dutch scientists showed that flavonoids, which are one of the catechins, for instance, one of the phytochemicals we discussed in plants, literally had people who were unbelievably more healthy by the fact when they looked at women who were eating these rich organic, organic uh, plant-based foods in their raw state were much lighter and happier in their bodies than women who were eating the cooked varieties. Because once you cook the plant, no matter how organic it is, the phytochemicals are gone, the flavonoids are gone, the catch-ins are gone, and the list goes down, 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 down. There's so many. We're discovering more as time passes. Reverse insulin resistance. So I wrote about this in one of our books way back in 2020, Menopause, where we described that uh, women always are given the rap, oh, my God, you had menopause. Well, women start normally in their 40s. Men start menopause, it's really called andropause at 26 years old. So we talked about muscle and the important muscle uh, has in the overall well-being of a human being throughout their life. If you're 100 years old, you need muscle. So when you build muscle and you weight train, as I did today, I was at the gym three hours before um, here sharing time with all of you all over the globe. Uh, this is part of my uh, life. This is as important as everything else we've talked about today. You literally are going to have less spiking of insulin. Avoid all ultra-processed food. 
Uh, we were joking last night here in class that uh, now people get their meals when they go and pump gas. They go into the gasoline superstores, as they call them. What's super about them? I have no idea. But can you imagine? They're eating hot dogs, they're eating potato chips, all with synthetic opiates in it, hyperpalatability opiates in it. Remember, go back to what I spoke about earlier, uh, Dr. Kessler and his investigative work. Consume sufficient quality protein. Now, when you hear protein, you immediately think meat. That's what a great con job the meat and dairy industry has had on you for more than 100 years. Think about that. When I think of protein, the last thing I think about is meat. It's not protein a human being can absorb, digest, and utilize. It's a muscle of an animal that's going to sit in your body three days and pollute the body, give you disorder and, get, and disease. And by the way, make you much more unhappy because it's going to destroy the flora and intestinal bacteria that we spoke about that is directly connected to the serotonin receptor sites in the brain. And you want to take protein that's already pre-digested. Now, there's two foods, one we've talked about, sprouts that take proteins, break them down to usable amino acids. So even in a person who's struggling because they're ill, within 15 to 30 minutes, they'll absorb sprout protein. And again, the Hippocrates diet is the highest protein, usable, affected protein diet in the world. Second one is algaes. Blue-green algaes, green algaes, phytoplanktons, already broken down to simple chain amino acids so that the body cell can take it in, regulates blood sugar, so you don't have an insulin spike. Then we also look at gut problems. Uh, just yesterday, I spoke to a guest here about her young son in his 20s. Now he has gut problems, and even though he eats a healthy diet. Well, what is a healthy diet today? Uh, when I look at most plant-based eaters, I don't consider them having a healthy diet. So we've got to really go up three or four or five or 10 notches, depending upon where you are. Uh, now, first, I want to congratulate any of you that have made this very intelligent and smart and scientifically supported move to become a plant-based But Now we've got to refine that. And I didn't do it overnight. And unless you're fighting a big problem with disorder, you don't have to do it overnight. But make a plan, a six-month, a year, two-year plan. So by the end of 24 months, you are actually eating at what I call an ethical level at that point, ethical to yourself, the environment, and everything else. So when you do this, by the way, it takes away inflammation. When you're eating these healthy, healthy forms of food that don't disturb the gut, you don't putting eggs in, you're not putting fish in, you're not putting milk in, you're not putting cheese and yogurt and kefir in, all of this nonsense, whipped cream in, that you butter in, uh, you're disturbing the gut. So once you get rid of that, your insulin is not going to spike. Get enough sleep. We spoke about this earlier. I cannot emphasize this enough. Uh, we use new technology. We have a whole energy medicine department here, and uh, we have the most cutting-edge units now in energy medicine. And we have one called BrainTap that has been remarkable on even uh, people who have had decades of sleep deprivation, uh, helping them go back to sleep patterns. And this is very available. Learn about it. BrainTap. Reduce stress. Now, how do you do that? Well, look at the work you're doing. I don't care if you're making a lot of money. If it's distressing you, you're not going to be around that long. So find a work that you're passionate about.
Again, inspiration. You've got to be inspired by yourself. Who's got to impress you? You've got to impress you. Nobody else should impress you. If you're not impressing yourself, something's wrong with that picture. And it would be very impressive if you hate what you're doing and if it's stressful that you had enough guts and brains to get out and quit and find something that you really love to do, that impassions you. When you're impassioned, it's very easy to know you and it's very easy to grow and change you. Eat at the same time every day. This is something that we're only now coming into focus with. Uh, we know that not eating too much is very important. Go back to what I said a few minutes ago, where we had the evolutionary development of the human body was very little food, high nutritious plant-based food, and lots of periods between not eating. Intermittent fasting, we call it today, but it's what everyone did. And that's how the body wants food to come to it. But now we're actually saying, if you eat at one o'clock every day, your lunch, which should be the biggest meal of the day, uh, we should eventually learn once you're over blood sugar problems, hypoglycemia and diabetes and emaciation or bulimia or anorexia, you should avoid eating breakfast in the morning. I've been eating breakfast since 1971. And then big meal in the middle of the day, 12, one o'clock, we know between 11.30 in the morning and 1.30 in the afternoon, the sun makes it. So the hydrochloric acid in your body is most active to break down proteins. So that's when your big meal should be. And if you're gonna eat in the evening, which I avoid doing most of the time, is eat a very small meal, but make sure it's balanced. Make sure that what you're eating has maximum nutrient load in it, that you're not going to take something, oh, I have to mix this with that and I have to know. I mean, for instance, you're eating some of these sprouts, they have everything you practically need. It. Eat four, two or three or four of those kind of sprouts or juice them, well, so eat at the same time every day, create a schedule. And by the way, when you're on a cell phone, people tend not to do that. Another observation that was made in that study is people who are chronically addicted, 67% of you to a cell phone use, you're not having normal patterns. You'd rather look at the cell phone than exercise. You'd rather look at the cell phone than sit down and eat with your family. You know, you're just so uh, obsessed with the thing at that point. Saunas, I cannot talk enough about this. Uh, you, if you've ever heard me in the past, I rail about saunas. I take a sauna every single day. Today, I was in the sauna and steam for 35 minutes total before coming here. Three hours of working out at the gym. Part of that is sauna and steam. And then I came here to spend time with all of you. These are powerful, powerful agents, especially today on a septic planet. When the earth is so filled with pollutants. Even if you live like a saint, the air you breathe, the water you bathe yourself in, even if you drink as I do pure water, uh, it comes from everywhere. So when you take, especially infrared saunas, and you can do infrared near or far, uh, both of these help to eliminate heavy metals and chemicals out of the body at an 87% higher rate than normal Scandinavian saunas. Now, when I'm traveling almost always, it's normal Scandinavian type of saunas. Whichever way you can do it, this helps to remove toxins. And remember, the toxic overload makes you have a body you're not comfortable in. Remember, 50% of the public aren't happy in their body. That's a pretty scary thing to think about. And one of the ways you can become happy is respect your body. The message you're going to give your body, yes, I'm exercising. Yes, I'm eating pure and healthy food. Yes, I'm taking saunas. Yes, I'm taking baths. Yes, I'm cleaning myself. 
Yes, I'm thinking positive thoughts. Yes, I'm taking time to rest. Even if it's five, 10 minutes a day on your own, contemplating, meditating, praying, whatever makes you happy. All of those things give affirmative thoughts to every cell in your body. And every cell in your body now knows maybe for the first time you respect it enough and it starts to respond to you the way that it always have aspired to do, that you've not allowed it to. Evidence indicates that infrared penetrate can actually improve cardiovascular disease. Of course, this is Japanese studies. Uh, woe therapy is what they call it. Here, the first thing that happens when you have a heart problem is the doctors don't take a sauna. It's the worst thing in the world. Now we show that infrared saunas actually help to take away cardiovascular disease. Now, the people that have to concern themselves with saunas are people with multiple sclerosis. And if they do go in, it's a very, very short period of time. 80% of your brain is water. And remember, the multiple sclerosis we now know since last year is a virus, a retrovirus, part of the uh, Epstein-Barr or chronic fatigue family that eats away at the bone, uh, not bone, excuse me, at the brain. And in fact, it's the fatty tissue and the gliocells and neurons that it's eating away at, snacking on. And when you have 80% of the brain as water, when it gently heats it up, it stimulates and activates for the multiple sclerosis person, the virus. So you have to avoid that. Everyone else, this is a great thing for, if you go in for a minute, then go in for two and go in for five, work your way up and do more and more and more. So I cannot emphasize the importance of sauna enough. Lose weight while you'll sleep. It sounds almost like a sales pitch. Don't have to do anything. Don't have to think anything. Don't have to go anywhere. Just go to bed and lose weight. Why? Because again, when you go into that deep RAM sleep, you lose weight. And when they look at the data on this, people who sleep well, and there's very few, by the way, it's hard to find those people today. People who sleep really well generally have body mass index that are healthy and suitable for them. Journal of Current Biology tested the idea that energy expenditure, burning calories as we used to call it, is effective by the time you choose to sleep as well as the length of sleep. Now, this is an interesting thing. So what time you sleep, just like what time you eat, gives clear, concise messages to the overall body and says, okay, this woman is doing the right thing. This man is doing the right thing. This is the circadian rhythm we're speaking about. So the 24-hour cycle, it runs the body it's internal clock. Study found that test subjects monitoring during short afternoon, much higher resting energy expenditures by 10%. 10%, that's a pretty thing. Now, how many of us have time in our busy lives to take a nap in the day? Well, we always laugh about the people in Southern Europe or people in Central and South America. Well, maybe they have that right. Not maybe, but science now, they have that right. And some of the great thinkers throughout history, Einstein's, Edison's, were terrific, notorious nappers. Uh, one time they asked Edison, uh, when do you come up with these brilliant ideas? And in a very fussy way, he wasn't very uh, cordial, let's put it that way. He, he yelled out, I don't know. He said, after I get up from my nap, I just write these things down. So it also get him in touch as it does you in touch with that. And you don't have to go for two hours in the afternoon, 10 minutes alone, you have a 
difference in weight body mass. The most proven weight loss maintenance strategy in the history of humankind is a living food plant-based diet. Over the decades, people who have attended this institute, this institute has worked with hundreds of thousands, optimize their immune system fighting cancer and other diseases, always lose weight as a side effect. So I thought it was due time uh, that I wrote a book that talked about your body, uh, because I think your body is your friend. And until you make friends with your body, you're always going to have this internal struggle, both biological, psychological, and I even think spiritual, uh, that you should look at it as a fine, refined tool to employ your imagination and your dreams at their maximum best. And if and when you're capable and willing to do that, there's no doubt in my mind, or the mind of scientists globally now, that you're gonna become a much more happy, balanced and healthy person. So this is where I'm going to end uh, this conversation with you today. Uh, if you wanna click on here, this book is available uh, from Amazon all over the world. Uh, and what we have to say to every one of you out there is that life is wonderful, that everything is working exactly like it should, except the human brain and our perception of what's going on. It's not the end of good things. It's the end of the bad things and the beginning of the good things. Once you're ready and willing to be good to yourself and for yourself, join us all in our procedure to make life happy and whole and healthy for every single human and every other fellow creature on this earth. Be well. Thank you, Brian, for that very informative presentation. We are now going to begin our live q and I'll be asking questions as well as opening up the questions to the audience. But before we begin, can you just go over again where our, our audience can find your books and how to follow you um, on social media and, and get in touch with, uh, with you and, uh, and Hippocrates as well? Well, the, probably the easiest way is social media today. So look up Hippocrates Wellness or Hippocrates Institute. INST is an abbreviation. And there you can get on our website, Hippocrates Wellness. And we have a shop here on campus. Uh, we ship things globally every single day all over the world. Uh, Amazon has many of my books. This latest book, uh, Self-Healing Diet, is there. In front of you, you can click on and get that. And all of the other 30 books that either Anna Marie and I or together we have written over the years are available. And there's one for everything that you can imagine. I, I expose the fish uh, consumption. Uh, as you know, I exposed the poultry consumption and also the dairy consumption. So any of you that are still struggling with any of those above issues, there's a clear book scientifically based that literally tell you the perils that you'll experience by consuming those non-human foods. Great, thank you very much. Uh, We're now going to begin our live q and I will be asking, uh, excuse me, I'll be asking questions as I had previously stated, um, as well as the audience. 
Um, we first want to explain to everyone how this works. We don't take questions directly from the chat. Instead, we ask everyone to virtually raise their hand. If you're not familiar with how to do this, we uh, what we want to do, me, what you want to do is click on the reactions button, second from the right at the bottom of the Zoom window. Then you're going to click on the raise hand function in the menu that pops up. We will then take questions in the order in which they are received. When it's your turn, I will unmute you and ask you to state where you're from and to ask your question. We ask that everyone keep their questions brief and on topic. We will then we will then mute you. If you wish to ask a follow-up question, you will need to raise your hand and, and get on the, the back of the line. So, um, and if we have time, we'll take you. So what I, um, I wanna ask you a question, um, Brian. So um, Dr. Cousin had some thoughts on cholesterol, saturated fats, uh, overall fats and salt. Um, and we're just going to, I want to get your comments on that, but in order for you to know exactly what he said, we're just going to play a quick video of that. So that way you can respond to what he says in the video. And a high carbohydrate diet. So when Joe Furman talks about, well, he sees a lot of people with vegans with brain, uh, you know, degeneration, um, I look at the high carbohydrate diet, which I don't support because it stimulates brain inflammatory pathways. Now, to me, this is a really important study, Journal of Alzheimer's 12, 12, 2012. I'm just going to read it because it's so important. Older people, and I, we're talking people above 60, eating a high carbohydrate diet. Get the word high carbohydrate because we're told a lot in the vegan world that you want a high, high complex carbohydrate diet. People are talking about 70% carbohydrate. Yeah, well, here's the result. Have nearly four times the risk of, of, of developing mild cognitive impairment. So this is what David Pulmoner in his book, Grain Brain, uh, I thought he did really good work. A diet heavy in inflammatory carbohydrates, which mostly they are, Low in healthy fats, messes with the mind in more ways than one. But let's say messes with the brain in more ways than one. So fat is the preferred fuel of human metabolism, and it's been that way through evolution until we started farming about 10,000 years ago. Next slide, please. Now, this is really important because along with this, high complex carbohydrate diet, we just have this cholesterol fear. And this is one of the second reasons I, I think that vegans tend to get more Alzheimer's because people with the highest cholesterol scored higher on cognitive tests than those with lower cholesterol levels. <laughs> so this is my, I'm really talking more about cholesterol here, but Netherlands, Alzheimer's have lower amounts of cholesterol, free fatty acids in their cerebral spinal fluid. That is really important. As 2007 study showed that people who are regularly consumed omega-3, this is one of the supplements I'm gonna talk about, they were 60% less likely to develop dementia than those who didn't regularly consume such oils. That's DHA and EPA. High cholesterol is associated with better memory function. And it's the preferred fuel for your heart. I mentioned the um, so atrial fibrillation, 
high omega-3, 85% lower risk of dying from all causes. What I appreciate about Dr. Cousins is a lot of my other colleagues talk about evidence-based. Uh, he is, and we are evidence-based. And the advantage that we basically have at this institute is we do clinical work on every one of the guests that come here. So we're observing exactly what Boston University and Harvard and others uh, were just expressing in the research study that they published. So here's what we have to understand. So you're not thinking that Dr. Cousin said you have to go out and eat tons of this stuff. If you look at all plants and especially original plants, when I was in Israel, as an example, uh, I was at the Center for Science, which is outside of Tel Aviv. And here on the wall, they had the original wheat. Didn't even look like wheat. It was about a third of the size. It was sparkled black. And the scientist I happened to be with was an agricultural expert. And I said, well, tell me about that. They said it was 36% protein. Think about that, 36. I mean, the best organic wheat we get today, maybe 12% protein. That was 36%, the original. Hybridization did that. It was filled with essential fatty acids. That's what Dr. Cousins is speaking about. Not saturated fat or massive amounts of coconut oil, but every single original plant had oils in it. If that wasn't the fuel that humans should have, then why the heck do we teach at every medical school today the two things that propel energy within the body are sugars, which by the way, you get sugar from lettuce, you don't need mangoes, and essential fatty acids. So I agree with this. Now, here's the caveat to this. This is my hypothesis, and I think I'm right on this, or I wouldn't say it. I think when you're younger, having high cholesterol uh, makes you more prone to have cardiovascular concerns. I think when you get older, and how that's evidenced is not only by the Boston study, but five or six others I've read, is that centenarians tend to have high cholesterol levels, but they're not having heart attacks and strokes. And when you look at where these people are living, once again, go back, they're plant-based eaters that are incredibly active, that have strong community ties. So we know the longest living people in the world are plant-based eaters. We know that they're eating the original plants. They're not eating what you do and I do out of the, the health market, you know, that was shipped from California uh, five, five weeks ago to us. So we, we, this is not only evidenced by the fact that modern science touches on this, but it's also something I've seen here. We put people back onto these healthy, whole-based diet uh, ground, no, no cooking, and people's memory comes back. They look different. They feel different. Their cognitive ability increases. Not at times, but most of the times. So yeah, I completely concur with what he's saying. He gave you some science there to think about. Now, it doesn't have any disrespect for the people singing the same mantra out of the same psalm book. I know they all like you know, to follow one another. Ducklings do that. But the truth is, you've got to stop being a duckling sometime. You've got to learn that you have wings and fly. And we've got to get beyond that. And by the way, I'm willing, and I'm sure Gabriel is willing, to always change our story when we know more. So knowing more is the key. Inspiration, knowledge, and growth. 
So thank you very much for the answer. So just a quick follow-up on that question. Um, someone like Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, who's also a clinician, um, and he's got a very strict diet kind of going, you know, you know, away from oils and even excluding nuts and seeds um, and, you know, and other fats that are, I think are, are considered uh, healthy fats by uh, many population. Um, based on what you're saying, where do you think he gets it wrong? I don't think he gets it wrong. I think as a man that came into this through the window of cardiovascular disease that he personally had, uh, mm. I think he gets a lot right. So you don't, you don't hear him talking about what I would talk about or Dr. Cousins. We have a, a larger menu, let's put it this way. And I know him well, we've been on lecture tours in Europe. His wife and he are just salt of the earth, wonderful people. He has a purple uh, medal as a military man. He was a heroic American. I, mean, I just have utter respect for him, his integrity, his genius, his attitude, et cetera, and how many lives he's helped who have heart attacks and strokes and potential heart attacks and strokes. So I think in that way, we sort of, when people have had heart attacks and strokes and the history of that, we sort of lean in that direction until they know they've gotten well. But again, it's not permanently, you've got to be on a prohibition from what nature has put in into the, into the uh, garden for us to eat. You know, they wouldn't be there if we shouldn't be eating those things. Great, thank you so much for, for that answer as well. So we've got some questions from the audience that we're gonna turn to. Uh, Aaron, please state where you're from and ask your question. Hi, I am from Massachusetts and I have two questions. One, you mentioned that plant-based is the, the best diet for weight loss. I turned into plant-based about five years, five years ago, 50% raw, but I still uh, have a challenge with my belly fat. How, how would you recommend to get rid of the belly fat? And my second question, you spoke that uh, you and many other speakers spoke about the advantages of the fasting. And there is a company that's doing fasting mimicking diet they call Prolon, which is supposed to, that you, that they give you some food that's supposed to be like you are in diet. I would like to know if you know about this company Prolon and what are your thoughts about this? Thank you so much. I know about that. That was created in part with University of Southern California. And it's a powdered up vegetable drink that's, in my view, not necessary if you Want to fast on green juices, you make out of fresh raw uh, juice. That would be my preference over than buying an expensive powder for it. And belly fat, one of the things we didn't focus in on today, I wish we had 10 hours, I would have. I would have done a two hour presentation on exercise. I explained that I do that, that that's part of my lifestyle. It's as important as what I eat. So you're not doing exercise. Uh, I do every single day. And I also share this. It's funny. We never talked about this till last year. But every day, Dr. Cousins does 900 sit-ups. I do 900 sit-ups. It's really funny. We both came to that in our own way in different parts of the planet. But that's what you need to do. You know. And if you don't, and you get older, by the way, everyone's going to have a little belly flap. It's just going to happen to us because the cortisol levels and the hormones are going and all of that. So exercise was not an option five or six generations ago. It's either you starved or you exercised. It was called farming. So people generally didn't choose starving. So they went out every day and they lifted weight and they did aerobic exercise and they did stretching exercise and they maintained until the day they died at 90 or 100 years old, exercise practices. Today, 
less than 5% of the population in this country and around the developed world exercise adequately. Now think of what I'm saying to you. And we're not talking about a lot. If you look at the brilliant work of Dr. Cooper and others who were exercise scientists, we're gonna tell you, just to maintain health, we're not talking about having great health, maintain health. You have to do 35 minutes, five days a week of aerobic. That means not lollygagging along. I mean, it's like sweating. I'm not really happy, but I'm doing this for 35 minutes. You need to weight lift three days a week for at least an hour, an hour and a half. And you need to hit different parts of the body. And you, once you're the ripe young age of 40, you have to do stretching every single day. And abdominal exercise, which I do, and anyone who understands this, you do every single day. One of the few things that you do on a daily basis. Great. Thank you so much for that answer. Our next question is going to be from Monty. Monty, please state where you're from and ask your question. Yes. Um, I'm from Trenton, Ontario. Um, Dr. Clement, um, what is the relationship? Do you know of any books that speaks about the relationship between food and distorted reality? Or thought and the gene expression um, with, the with the advent of um, so much mental depression globally. Uh, do you know of the, what are the best books you know that you know addresses these two issues: thought and gene expression, and food and uh, distorted reality? Yeah. So what you are speaking about is the great work that's now being done on gastrointestinal health, and there's one called the Fuel. Somebody may help me with this one. Uh, but he was on to the real truth about health last year, I believe. This is the best book, uh, current book, with the latest research and science on gastrointestinal bacteria, flora, and psychology, which we spoke about today, the serotonin receptor site, and as you say, distorted reality. And let me explain simply how that works. So when you have healthy and adequate amounts of bacteria in your intestine, it comes up the nervous system up your spine and right up to the brainstem, and up above the brainstem, you have this little switch called the serotonin receptor site. So it receives the serotonin from the intestinal tract, and if it gets adequate amount, it pushes the button on, and the happy juices flow. So if you're having uh, a deceptive view of reality, malaise, negativity, depression, anxiety, or even worse, where they diagnose it as bipolar or schizophrenia, that function did not work. Not we think so, we know so. That function didn't work. So this is why you must start to look at this intestinal tract. Once again, I spoke to a young man who's in his last year of medical school in psychiatry. In the top medical school in Europe, they're not teaching them what I've just said to you. And it's not that I know something they don't know. They don't know what they should know. That's the problem. I mean, I'm certainly not a psychiatrist, but I watch what happens here to people's psyches and their perception and their reality. Once we put them on plant-based diet, the side effect is mental clarity. The side effect is happiness. The side effect is clarity of a, a life that you want to live. And you're determined that you'll live it at your maximum best. But diet is everything about that. And there's massive data on that. Thank you so much. Our next question is coming from Leah. Leah, please state where you're from and ask your question. Hi, Dr. Clement. My name is Leah from Davie, Florida. 
And I had a couple of questions. My daughter has high triglycerides. She's five years old. So the doctor is concerned about that. And she is on a plant-based diet for the most part. And the other question is, I was told that I should give her distilled water. What do you guys use to distill your water? Or you buy distilled water in the plastic bottles from the store? Well, let's start with the distillation of water. And you should buy a distiller. Number one, it's economically much, much better for you to buy a distiller. They're not that much. I've owned mine. I raised my four children and Anna and I on the same distiller since 1972. And so these things are hard to break. Let's put it that way. And this way you have control over. You never want to put something in plastic because it leaches into it. And one of the biggest catastrophic problems we have on the planet today is plastics. I was speaking about this yesterday that I went to a major conference on this last summer. Oceana, the largest ocean organization was there. They said, if we took all the plastic currently on the earth, it would cover every inch of the earth, including the tops of the ocean, the top of the Himalaya, by one to one and a half inches of plastic. And it's not stopping, by the way. So we now know that uh, by the year 2050, we'll have five times more plastic than we have now because they're not recycling plastic. Now, I don't discourage you from recycling, continue to do it, but it's only 8% are really recycled because it's less expensive by far to do it. So you don't want to buy plastic. You don't want to get plastic. You want to, this is why we move the Hippocrates supplements over to glass. Now, tell me the symptoms your daughter's having. Leah, uh, go ahead and answer the doctor's question, please. Sure. Uh, she was having some stomach pains. We went to Israel and she started having very sharp stomach pains and they would come on and off for the past six months. So then we did blood testing on her and they found that she has 1.2 of lead in her blood, high triglycerides. Her A1C sugar is fine, a little bit high in cholesterol and low magnesium, low vitamin D. So I started giving her vitamin D supplements. And she also grinds her teeth. So, so I'm going to start incorporating magnesium at nighttime. And we also don't vaccinate. Okay, good. Smart idea. So let's talk about this. Number one, is this a pediatric doctor or is it a normal doctor? No. Okay. Uh, so you have to understand that when you do a test on a child below 16, no less five, there's radical number adjustments you have to make in your head. So again, periodically, I would test all of my children who are now in their 40s. And, and so when they were two and five and 10 years old, and you have to know as a pediatric doctor, or at least one who's worked uh, significantly with children to adjust those numbers. So they're not true numbers that you're getting. It's always, you can't give too much vitamin D if it's food-based. So I hope you're giving a life-give quality one that is made out of a vine and not heated above 110. Most vitamin D is highly processed and doesn't really ever enter into the human cell. So the quality, not just the name, the quality of what you're taking is paramount when it comes to he, this. He, he uh, I hope, go ahead. Case. So the, the doctor who's not a pediatrician recommended what? No, he is a pediatrician. He's a homeopathic pediatrician and he okay. recommended vitamin D with K3. Okay, well, you would have to show it to me because I don't know what that's okay. from, but how they derived it and how they processed it is everything about the story. 
Uh, just because it says X amount of vitamin D on or X amount of vitamin E or vitamin A, that doesn't matter. One of the many books you may want to uh, save yourself a lot of pain in the future, I wrote, Expose the Supplement Industry. It's called Supplements Exposed. You can also get on the Real Truth About Health archives by joining that super inexpensive $7 a month uh, and basically see, a, see a, an hour and a half presentation I made on that. But the book is right here in your neighborhood, Supplements Exposed. So the first thing I would do with a child like that is see if they have H. pylori, because that's what it sounds like to me. And that's not even a blood test. That's where they make her blow into a little tube. Any competent doctor should know to do that, because that's what it sounds like more to me than anything else. If he did a scan on her, which I, if she was sick enough, you would do that on her. Uh, you would basically see she didn't have any anatomical problems. So when you rule that out, which is highly unlikely, then you realize it has to be a microbe that's in her intestinal tract. And then that could be dealt with one of two ways. Either you could uh, bomb the immune system by putting an antibiotic in, which works. It kills the H. pylori. Or you could use a method we've been using here for many, many, many decades with an herbal uh, tincture that's made out of a, a very serious company, orthomolecular. But first find out if she has it. I mean, this is a test any, any doctor can do. They don't even have to be competent. Any doctor could do this one. And you just blow in it and it comes out, yes, she has it or she doesn't have it, H. pylori. All right, great. Thank you. And I think that brings us up to the, uh, the end of our Q&A time. So thank you so much, doctor, for that really amazing presentation. It was extremely informative. And I definitely, uh, I'm going to be checking out some of these videos and, 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 uh, and the book that you just referenced as supplements are a big, uh, are a big important thing. So real quickly, we'd like for everyone else to be able to show their appreciation for you. I believe you've experienced the cacophony of, of thanks that when we open up the mic, so uh, please open up the mic so everyone can say thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Amazing. Amazing.